Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. mindful of your time today. Uh, we still have some other presentations uh, toward the end of the service and uh, every mother that's here today as you leave you'll uh, receive a gift here from the First Apostolic Church just a token of our appreciation and your contribution to uh, society. Amen, because mothers make a big contribution to society, amen, not just by birthing their children and having them, but also the rearing and the instruction that they give them along the way, amen, and so we're grateful today for you. Matthew chapter number 20, I'm going to read verse number 20, and uh, I commonly try to be thematic on special days, and so I'll stay with that this morning, I'm going to talk uh, uh, concerning mothers this morning. Matthew 20 and verse number 20. The Bible states these words. And if you don't have your Bible, you can probably turn your attention to the screen. Uh, then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on thy left in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they say unto him, We are able. And he saith unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father the bible says and when the ten the other disciples that is heard it they were moved with indignation against the two brethren namely james and john the sons of zebedee amen for a little while this morning i would like to minister along this subject matter uh, mother knows best mother knows best hallelujah can you join me one more time in prayer we need heaven amen to help this old human flesh up here today father i need you this morning god i pray lord to be able to share lord a message god from your word lord jesus for mothers today i pray oh lord guide my words in my mind i pray lord that you're able to speak and minister to them in some measure in some way lord help them to be encouraged by the word of god this morning and strengthened by the word i pray oh lord today guide them lord help us today whenever we leave this place feels though lord that you have taken time today to minister god to the lives the hearts and the souls lord of mothers in the lovely name of jesus christ hallelujah that i pray amen and amen Will everybody say amen? amen amen you may be seated this morning in the lovely name of the lord hallelujah our scripture today of matthew chapter number 20 whenever you begin to read over it you see there mentioned an individual. However, you will never find her name like you find the names of Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel and Leah of Old Testament Scripture in the Bible who were very instrumental uh, women, might I even say mothers, in birthing a nation of Israelites that Scripture indicates to you and I 
You'll not find her name like those. No, uh, her identity even won't be among the descriptions like we see in the Bible that she was the daughter of such and such. You won't see that found in there of her. You will not see that she was even attributed as being called the wife of such and such as those direct words. You won't even find that. But there are at least two times in Scripture that she is presented to you and I in one of the most honorable ways possible for a lady or a woman to be indicated or recognized. At least two times in Scriptures, the Bible states this concerning her, that she is the mother of Zebedee's children. The Bible, the word mother is in the Scriptures. Mother or mothers, those words are in the Scriptures. They appear at least almost 300 times within the Bible. And it's the only title that we know this particular woman by. She is known by mother, and yet that is enough. We don't know who her father was. It does not give her direct name of who she was. It just calls her mom. But that's enough for you and I. Her life that she lived in the New Testament Scripture, it graced a period of time when motherhood was esteemed in the highest regard. Uh, certainly as a blessing from God. Mothers during this time frame seen their role and their position that they served in as a blessing from God. Amen. Obtaining the title mother during this day and this culture was the goal of almost any daughter that still lived in the household of her father. Uh, to become a wife was nothing but to stand in the wings for someday being able to reach that position and that place of motherhood. And for her to have that pursuit frustrated or for her to have that pursuit even deemed uh, because maybe of barrenness as being impossible was one of the most devastating and tragic things and events that could happen for a lady. If she could not have children or she could not bear fruit, we understand that motherhood was an important thing to ladies, an important thing to women of this day. Uh, we receive how important it was through the words that Rachel spoke in Old Testament scripture because Rachel was a woman that dealt with the discouragement of barrenness in her own life and you if you read scripture there are several women throughout God's word that dealt with and contended with barrenness the un, the inability to give birth to a child and it frustrated them it wearied them it discouraged them and Rachel contending with 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 that lot in her life of not being able to have children she even cried out this and it seems to be overwhelming to think that she would cry such a thing but she said give me children or else I die I believe that sets a good precedent about how important the role of motherhood was to these women of Scripture. You might be saying, some mothers might be saying, well, that's a little extreme, uh, a little extreme, but really that's the value that these ladies placed upon the role of a mother. Amen. Why? Because it brought honor to their people their race that they were a part of. It brought honor to her husband for her to give him children and it brought honor to herself. And so this was a culture and a time that the mother of Zebedee's children lived in that was constantly just wanting to obtain that position in that place of motherhood. 
It's even in scripture that we see a story lifted from the scriptures and brought to our attention of a woman by the name of Hannah. And it's recorded by and large because of her great desire to be a mother in 1 Samuel 1 and 2. We get a behind-the-scenes look at this woman called Hannah that is dealing with the struggles of not being able to have a child. Uh, we get a little feeling for her emotions, the tears that she cried, the constant asking if she could just have a child. Amen. That no doubt she mirrors the mothers everywhere that deal with the difficulty of not being able to have a child. And we see that in her own request in prayer to the Lord. And not praying for anything else but this one thing. It's almost as though Hannah was like, God, I don't care if I achieve or get anything else in life. Just let me be a mom. Let me be a mother. And the Bible says that that request was granted to her. She received the very thing that she had prayed for. And the Bible then would say in 1 Samuel 2 and 19, it wasn't just a request. It was something that she wanted to be diligent about. It says, moreover, that his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year. Amen. Because that's what moms do. Right? That's what moms do. Mom, mom will make sure that the children don't go without. Mom is going to make sure that they had it. They're going to have it better than what she had. I think that's the aspiration of parents in general. We always want our children to have it a little better than what we had it. And so that was Hannah's taking. I'm going to make him a little coat year by year. He's not going to be up there in, in the uh, uh, office there serving with Eli the priest. I can't have that boy growing out of his robe and he having a high water robe. No, that would just be horrible. I'm going to make him a new robe year by year. He's going to look fine, amen, as he can look because that's my boy. You know the pride that wells up in the side of the heart of a mom. You all you got. If you find a mom that is an introvert, the first thing you do to get her out of that situation is ask her about her kids. Amen. And all of a sudden, with that one question, that mother that was an introvert becomes an extrovert, and she's pulling out pictures, and she's got grade cards in there and certificates, and and when they lost their first tooth in a little baggie tucked back in the corner of that abyss called a purse. Because huh. that's what moms do. Moms will go to bat for their babies. If her baby's crying, she's going to find out why is it crying. What can I do to change these tears into a happy face again? And so that's the story, uh, just and so, even the Old Testament and in the New of mothers. And that was the story of this woman that is called the mother of Zebedee's children. I can believe I can safely say this morning that the mother, and I don't have a name to give her, but the mother of Zebedee's children, I believe we can safely say that she was a godly mother. And her children had godly parents. We read in the scriptures that Jesus was walking along one day and he was picking his disciples. He was picking those 12 that he would pour his life into and that he would teach. And as he was going along, he was going along the sea and he pulled some from boats. He came along a certain boat. Amen. And there were two boys in there. 
one by the name of James, the other by the name of John. They were in there with their father, Zebedee. They had a family business, if you will, of being fishermen. And the Bible says that Jesus called to these two boys, these two sons of Zebedee, amen, who the mother of Zebedee's children was the mother of. And the Bible says that he called to them to follow him in Matthew 4. They were there mending their nets. They were there involved in the family business with their father, but without any threat of hesitation. Those boys, when they heard the call of Jesus, immediately left the ship Amen. And their father. And what we don't read, their mother. Amen. And they go and follow the Lord. It's almost as though these two boys had some sense of who it was that was calling them. There was something that called out to them in their spirit that it's okay to follow him. It's okay to leave the family business and go after this endeavor. And note, daddy doesn't have no objections. Mama is not there with any objections. There is no recourse from her. Why? Because I believe somewhere in the teaching and the training of her children, she told them how there would be a Messiah and that there would be one that would die and there would be one that would resurrect. And in teaching them that and letting them be sensitive to the Lord and sensitive to the will of God, when Jesus passed by, they had had all the training they needed to recognize, hey, this is something special right here this is something that I want to be a part of I believe they had I believe they had a godly mother a godly mother it were these two boys among only one other that when we read of the disciples there are three that stand out among the twelve there are three that stand out among the 12 that get certain, I, I, I hate to use this word, but seem to almost get certain privileges that some of the others do not get. It's part of these three, this inner core, if you will. They've seen some things that some of the others did not see. There were certain people that were raised from the dead that they, John, James, Peter, allowed in the room and behold the miracle and life coming back into the dead person. It was John and James, the sons of, of, the, of this mother that I'm speaking about today that were allowed to climb that mount of transfiguration where Jesus transfigured before their eyes and in that glimmering white right before them. It were these two boys. It were these two boys that whenever Jesus is coming upon the darkest hour of his life, that, that, that just, just, just prefaced the, the crucifix that he was going to face. He was there in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying, but he calls those three, those two boys of this mother, to go a little further distance and have some prayer and supplication that was there. They were extended some honors and privileges. And why do I think that Jesus had those two boys a part of that? Because I believe he sensed a longing, a desire in them to want to be where Jesus was. Some may had a little flawed, if you will, desire. If I do, great. If I don't, great. But these two boys, something had been ingrained inside of them to have an appetite for the things that are of God. And God says, Jesus says, okay then, I'm going to allow them in the innermost circle here because they have an appetite for that. But know well that there's no appetite in your children that usually just comes of themselves. It's derived from their parents. It's derived from their homes. It can be derived from their mothers. So he enters them in and allows them these encounters because they have a desire there. I believe a desire that no doubt to some degree was placed there by their mother. The mother of Zebedee's sons. 
And among all the verses in Scripture that are recorded around the crucifix of Jesus Christ, and there are several throughout the Gospels, there are those that are recorded in Matthew 27 and verse 55 and 56. Jesus is on the cross. He's already gone through a lot of turmoil and a lot of pain. He's already given up the ghosts here in Matthew. The veil in the temple has already rent in twain. But kind as a footnote to everything that had happened, to everything that had transpired, the Bible says, and many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's children. Enumerated among the women that followed Jesus from his trip from Galilee to Jerusalem and even Golgotha was listed this mother, the mother of Zebedee's children. And in her pursuit and her following, she was not there for a handout. She was not there to see what she could get out of this following closely relationship. The Bible says that in that journey from Galilee to Jerusalem, even Golgotha, that these women, this mother I'm speaking of this morning, was ministering unto the Lord. It is no wonder in my mind's thinking then that her two sons James and John followed the Lord as they followed the Lord because there was already something inside of their mother that had an inclination for following the Lord and ministering unto the Lord and being close unto the Lord. And yet we come up on this verse of Scripture and the Bible says that she comes to the Lord. This is before the crucifix now. This mother comes to the Lord and she does as only a mama can do. I want to ask you, Lord, a few things for my boys. Mom doesn't ask anything for herself. She's always asking for the kids. She'll fix their plate before she fixes her own. She'll do their laundry before she does hers. Uh-huh. She'll spend money on them for something they want before she spends some money on herself for something she needs. All right? Maybe y'all don't have moms like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's the way, Mother. And so she asks, she says, Lord, she says, I'm asking you, can, can one of my boys, John and James, can one sit on your left hand and the other on your right hand in your kingdom and for generations and ages uh, the mother of Zebedee's children this mom I'm talking about this morning has been very brutally criticized and looked down upon because of the requests that she made because we know there had been a lot of problems at times among the disciples they all jockeying for a position if you will wanting to get you know a better seat than the other but here comes a mother and says I just want I just want my boys if one could sit on your right hand one on your left hand in your kingdom and a lot
lot of times she's been looked down upon because of her request. That, that's just going to cause an uproar among the disciples. That's going to cause just another mess that the Lord is going to have to deal with. Yet whenever we see in the reading and the understanding of all this, if you don't look at it through a negative eye, that that people have just painted for us. If you look at it like this, here is a mom that's asking a very simple question. Jesus, they've been walking with you. Jesus, they've been following you. Jesus, they've been a part of that inner core. And as a result of that, their lives have been exposed to some things that otherwise they would never have been exposed to. And so what I'm asking, Lord, is this. I'm asking for a continuance of that. What I'm basically asking for, can you let my boys and let my children be close to you? Somebody hear me today. There was no greater, no better request of a mother than that. Than that she could ask God. God, I'm just asking if my children could be close to you. Because there have been times they followed you and it's impacted their life. There's been times they've seen miracles by you and that's impacted their life. I'm just asking for a continuance of that closeness in relationship with you. Someone say amen. Hear me today. This is, this, this is what sets the mother of Zebedee's children aside from every other mother. Because whenever we see a New Testament scripture, I read of a Syrophoenician woman who has a daughter who's just vexed by the enemy. She comes to the Lord and she asks the Lord, Lord, heal my daughter. I see a father that comes to the Lord with his son. Sometimes he throws him in the fire. The spirit does. Other times in the water. His request is Lord take care of the unclean spirit of my son. I see at different times Jesus is in the sitting that children are brought to him. Not by the disciples. The disciples thought it was a horrible thing for the kids to interrupt the master. No. They were brought there by their parents. They were brought there by their fathers and by their mothers and they were just wanting the Lord to touch their children. But the, uh, the mother of Zebedee's children, listen to me well, she's not asking for her boys to be healed. She's not asking for disease to leave their body. She's not asking for the Lord to touch them. She's just asking that her boys would be near him. What did she know that other mothers didn't know? That as long as they are close to him, What did she know that maybe the Syrophoenician didn't get? As long as they are close to him, if they are ever in need of healing, no problem. As long as they are close to him, if they ever need an unclean spirit cast out, no problem. As long as they are. I'm saying, oh, the mother of Zebedee's children knew best. She wasn't looking at it for a handout. She was just looking for a relationship for her children. Amen. To walk in the Lord and the paths of the Lord and all the other fringe benefits she knew would come along with the relationship. She wasn't asking for a handout. She wanted her boys and her daughters, if you will, she had any, to be in relationship with the master. And then they'll get their healing. They'll get their salvation. They'll get all those other things if they'll just be close to the Lord someone say amen (laughs) 
Let my children be close to you. Let my children be close to you, Lord. Mom, mother knew best. Why do you say that, Brother McGee? I say that because of this, and some might think, well, she's an overbearing mom. Well, you know, show me a mom that has their first child that isn't just a tidbit overbearing. Amen. Matter of fact, one man said, he said, if you look up, and here's Zebedee's no doubt Jewish and part of a Jewish heritage and Jewish family, that they said that a stereotypical Jewish mother, this is a description of them, they said the stereotypical Jewish mother generally involves a nagging, overprotective, manipulative, controlling, smothering, an overbearing mother or wife, one who persists in interfering in her children's lives even long after they become adults. And somebody's asking the question right now, I didn't know my mom was Jewish. Welcome to the family. <laughs> now you go throw a Bart's Mitzvah or something, aren't you? Mom knew best. Mom knew best. And the future of her children bears out the gravity of that statement of the mother of Zebedee's sons that she knew best with that request. Listen to me. I won't hold you much longer because it's in Acts chapter number 12 that we read prior to a story about a man being incarcerated and let out of jail and going to John Mark's house and there's a celebration. Prior to that, there's just a little sentence there that's made statement and it says this, that James, this is the James that wasn't the pastor of the New Testament church or the James that wrote the book of James, this is the James that was the son of this mother I'm speaking of this morning. James was beheaded by King Herod. Roll back the tape and let the request of a mother be heard again before this ever unfolds. Let James, Lord, be close to you. Mom knew best. I don't know, she was probably not privy to what was going to happen in the future, but because of her own relationship, she could request, Lord, let James be close to you. Why? Because a few years from now, his head's going to be put on the chopping block because he followed you and he held to truth. His life is going to be short-lived upon this earth. And if there's one desire I have for him, let James, whoo, let him be close to you. His days were numbered. And I could say if we could hear James whisper anything, if he had any last words, I believe it'd be before the guillotine or the ax or whatever it was that fell upon him, he would say this, Mom knew best. It influenced them. You see the other harmony of the Gospels? The same scenario that I read to you this morning comes as though it comes from the boys. It's as though they asked the same thing. You know what? I don't believe those boys would have asked that if they had never witnessed mama asking something similar. 
Why does mother know best? I'm, I'm trying to stay with time. You all doing all right? I know you got Mother's Day meals. You go stand in long lines. You got coupons in your purses for it. Somebody's going to try to use some expired ones. Say, hey, it's Mother's Day. I understand. <laughs> found you, didn't I? Found you, I found you. Why else? Why else did mother know best? Listen, listen. So here's James now in the books of Acts, Acts 12. He's dead. Mom knew best. Just be by him. She had another son, though. John. John, who is described as John the Beloved. That's always where he's, where is he found? Always close. Always close to Jesus. At times, whenever even Peter spoke to him, when they were having some of their last meal before the crucifix, Peter motioned to John because John is laying on the breast of the Lord. He says, what's going on, John? We need to figure all this out. Well, since John was close, John had the inroad. It's John. <laughs> hey, man, that is close and called the beloved. But watch it. It's that same John, that son of Zebedee, and also of this mother that I've been speaking about today that we see, Sister Trout, in the book of Revelation that pinned all the visions and the dreams that were given him by the Lord. But look, he is the one that was isolated and quarantined on an aisle called Patmos at best that's wide its width was 13 miles in one direction it was small and quaint history describes it as a very barren and desolate place and that's where her other boy is positioned that she asked Lord can he just be close to you and in the most dismal scene and area, being one of the last standing of the disciples, his life not yet, yet taken from him, even almost went into the boiling oil. We understand he survived seemingly some of that. He's there at Patmos and the scripture records in the book of Revelation. And John said, and I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. How do you accomplish that? That gets accomplished whenever a mother asks the Lord, can my boy be near to you and close to you because there's going to come some difficult times. There's going to come some hard times. There's going to come some times that's going to try his faith. And I know though, if he's in arm's distance of you, that regardless of what's going on, he can be in the spirit. He can feel your protection. He can feel your encouragement. He can feel your power. Mother knows best. Someone say amen. <laughs> Why do you think it was then in Jesus' response back to her? If you'll notice... He neither did right there just grant it nor reject the request. And he posed a question to his boys. Will you be able to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? Will you be able to drink of the cup that I'm going to drink of? And what does he end up saying? They say, yeah, we will. And he says, you will drink and you will be. What did Jesus already see from that standpoint? James had been beheaded in Acts 12. John already on the aisle called Patmos because he knew Jesus knew the end from the very beginning. And I don't dare believe or would somehow superimpose that Jesus is every, ever, ever bewildered. If there was ever a moment 
That was probably one of those God moments for him, if you could say it like that. It was knowing what was going to happen to those boys in the light of what the request was this mama was asking of him concerning these boys. I could see him fold his arms and back and think, that's a good mother. That's a good mother. <laughs> and yet, and you stand with me today. And yet the other ten hear it, and they're in an uproar. They're jock jockeying for position. That mother's just saying, I just, I just want them to be close to you. Everybody else is saying, well, make me disciple number one. Make me the high potentate and president over the disciples. But she's saying, I just want them to be, I just want them to be close to you. If we embow our heads in this place today. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.